Welcome to the High Vibe Podcast. I'm your host, Bree, and this is your weekly no-fluff self-development podcast for teachers. The High Vibe Teaching Podcast is the self-development you need to instantly improve your life and get through the crap holding you back. Becoming High Vibe has changed my life, and I know it can change yours too. Everyone, welcome back to the podcast. This week's episode, we're going to be starting a new series, and this series is based off of the book, How to Do the Work, by Dr. Nicole LaPrera, who is the holistic psychologist. I am actually rereading this book and sharing the information with you guys through my podcast because I feel this is such good information. This is Healing 101. You can start doing this today after listening to this podcast episode. This is really transformative work, and I can't wait to share it with you guys. So I read through chapters one through three today. Um, Each episode is going to be a chapter, an episode continuing forward with a little bit of new, like, I guess, up-to-date podcasts in between. Um, If you guys are new here, my name is Bree and welcome. I'm so happy you're here. This is the High Vibe Teaching Podcast. On this podcast, we talk self-development for teachers so you can love your life teaching and get through the crap holding you back because I truly believe that we can be teachers, we can love our lives, and it's all in a change of mindset. So that is what this podcast is about. So happy you are here. Um, let me get into a little bit of my everyday life on what is going on. So this is episode 30, I believe. And what my plan is, it's August 1st today. What my plan is, is I am batch recording podcast episodes. So I am batch recording episode 30, 32, and 33 for the rest of August, because August is going to be a really, really crazy month. So Um, Let me just give you a little bit of background. I have been looking for a job. I'm in Southern California. I have three years of teaching experience with a master's degree and a clear credential in California. I cannot find a freaking job, you guys. I can't find a job. There's a YouTube video going out today at 12 p.m., I believe. Um, It's going out. You'll see the preview of it um, on YouTube. But it talks about how I got rejected yet again for another interview. Yes. So much fun, you guys. Um, anyways, and in that video, I also talk about the new position I am waiting to hear back on. So today is Sunday. Like I said, I interviewed for an instructional coach position. I interviewed for that position on Tuesday, almost a week ago. I was supposed to find out Friday if I got that job or not. So I'm waiting on Monday to see if I got this instructional coach position. I would absolutely love this position. If you want to hear me talk more about it, um, I will link the video down below. But remember, it does come out at 12 p.m. So if you're listening to this at 6 a.m. Monday morning, you are awesome, first of all. Second of all, just wait a little bit. It'll come out and you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. But The reason why I need a batch record is because, like I said, August is going to be really crazy. No matter what, I think me and my husband are going to move September 1st, no matter what, or something really drastic could happen. And I kind of feel like it's going to go in that direction. I kind of feel like I'm going to get a teaching job super last minute. Something's going to go down and I just want to batch record. So the month is good. I'll come back refreshed in September. Um, But the information is still going to be golden. I am completely recharged. I'm feeling good. I hope you can hear it in my voice and my energy. You know, you can feel it and it's going to be really good information. And this is going to change your life. I should know by next week, 
next podcast episode, I should know what is going on. I should know if I got a teaching job somewhere. I should know if I got this instructional coach position. I should know, and I'm going to give you guys a live update next week on next week's episode. So we're going to start this series of this holistic psychologist series. I've read the book about three fourths, and then I wanted to reread it because I wanted to share this with you guys. This information is amazing. It is science-based. It is It just makes so much sense to me. When I started to read this book, it was like someone was speaking to my soul on what I've always felt and believed. And I'll talk about more um, while we go through the book. But I think these episodes are going to be a little dense. So I'm going to maybe keep them a little shorter or see how the flow goes because this is dense information. It's probably really new for a lot of you guys. So I really want to explain it really, really well. I wrote notes down. I'm going to be referring to the notes going back and forth, back and forth. And we're going to have a lot, a lot of fun with this series. Um, Before we get into the episode, if you have not been following me on Instagram, it is at High Vibe Teaching. I give life to life updates and I've been taking you guys on my inter or interviewing mission or journey through that as well through Instagram. Um, that is the best way that we can connect in real time. Also my YouTube channel, which I'm sure a lot of you guys are from at high vibe teaching over there. I just talk a lot about teaching lifestyle, education, um, everything in between. I just show it in a video presentation format. I go over lesson plans, lesson ideas, and show you my classroom, all of this good stuff. I'm sure you guys know that cause you're from here. But if you are just meeting me for the first time, hello, welcome. I absolutely love energy work. I feel like it's important and I feel like that's true self-care. Self-care to me is energy work and we're really going to get down to the nuts and bolts of healing, energy work, getting into a really good vibe, getting into a high vibe. This is really the science behind what the heck I'm talking about most of the time and I feel so passionate about all of this. Also, I am launching the book club, the high vibe book club and community will be launching October 1st. If you are interested, there is a sign up link down below. Please sign up really helps me out planning for this. Um, and you will be getting emails, especially when it's getting close to launch again, launching is happening October 1st. We're going to be reading the miracle morning as the first book, and we're going to be tracking our new miracle morning routine It's going to be amazing, and I guarantee you it's going to change your guys' lives. Okay, you guys, I hope you're ready to learn some amazing information that is truly going to change your life. It's going to allow you to be in control of your life, and this is such powerful information. So the first chapter is called You Are Your Best Healer, and in this chapter, I'm going to take you guys step-by-step, try to explain as best as I can in my own words as well, while referring to the book, but a little bit of background knowledge about the author. Um, Dr. Nicole LaPera, she is a psychologist. She went through the traditional, you know, medicine of psychology, and she soon realized that what she learned in psychology school was very surface level, um, and she talks about this in this book, and especially in this chapter, so we're going to get into it. Um, I'm going to give you guys the definition of what holistic psychology is. And holistic psychology helps us find the intuitive voice to trust it and to let go of our 
personalities that have been modeled and shaped by parent figures, friends, teachers, and society at large, allowing us to bring consciousness to our unconscious selves. Wow, that sounds really, really heavy. And like I said, this is probably going to be some dense episodes, but hopefully I'm going to help you guys understand it the best way that I can. So essentially, a holistic psychology approach is being in tune with our mind, body, and soul connection. So holistic psychology means that we heal ourselves. We know ourselves so well not only through our mind, but through our intuitive self. It's, and we're going to go over this in this series, but our intuitive self is different than our mind. Um, It's like our higher self. And we are able to self-heal, which means we heal ourselves as an act of self-empowerment. No one else outside of us can truly know what is best for each of our unique selves, except for us. Healing is a conscious process that can be lived daily through changes in our habits and patterns. So we can choose to heal ourselves. All it takes is the awareness and we're going to get into it. So healing in holistic methods looks like this. It looks like exercising to harness the power of our physical self, our breath, body work, traditional exercise that's actually healing us. That fits the psychological by changing our thoughts and past experiences and spiritual by connecting to our authentic selves because the body, mind, and soul are connected. So I'm going to get into a little bit about the holistic psychologist, which is Dr. Nicole LaPera. Um, So she has said, this is coming from her book, after teaching various patients, she realized to truly actualize change, you have to engage in the work or self-heal by making new choices every single day. In order to achieve mental wellness, you must begin by being an active daily participant in your own healing. All right, this is coming straight from page three. It says, the more I looked around, I saw the same frustration, even beyond my practice among my circle of friends. So many of them were taking medication for insomnia, depression, and anxiety. Some hadn't officially been diagnosed with any type of mood disorder, yet they were channeling a lot of the same symptoms into seemingly acceptable expressions, such as hyper-attachment, hyper-achievement, constant traveling, and obsessive social media engagement. These people were the ones who got straight A's, who finished their assignments week before they were due, who ran marathons, who landed high-stress jobs, and excelled in pressure cooker environments. In many ways, I was one of these people. I knew firsthand the limits of the traditional model of mental health care. I started therapy in my 20s, and when I was plagued by the near-constant panic attacks while dealing with my mother's serious heart condition, anti-anxiety medication helped me through, but I still felt listless, detached, tired, older than my years. I was a psychologist, someone who was supposed to help others understand their inner world, yet I continued to be a stranger too and unable to truly help myself. So that is where she was coming from. She was a licensed psychiatrist, I believe based out of New York City or Philadelphia. I can't remember for sure. But she was noticing that there was a disconnect between treating and doing deeper type of work. Very, very interesting. All right, now we are going to be talking about the mind, body, and soul connection, how everything is actually working together in a unit to help our bodies function and run. 
All right, so there is an experiment that this book discusses. It's on page number eight, and I'm going to read you the scientific evidence that talks about this. Okay, this is really fun. Now you can do this. If you're listening to this in the car, you can't do it because <laughs> you're driving. Well, you can do it unless you're not driving. You know what I mean? But if you are able to do this experiment, I highly suggest. All right, here we go. Close your eyes. Picture a lemon. See its glossy yellow skin. Hold it in your hands. Feel its ridges. Put it to your nose. Imagine the clean set hitting your nostrils. Now imagine slicing a wedge from the lemon. Watch the juice jump out of your cut through the flesh. See the oval pits. Now put the lemon wedge in your mouth. Your lips may sting on contact. Taste the acidity, the cool citrus, the freshness. Does your mouth pucker or fill up with saliva? The mere thought of a lemon can provoke an entire sensory response. You've just experienced the mind-body connection without putting down this book or without stopping to listen to this podcast. So as you can see, when you visualize tasting the lemon, touching a lemon, like visualize the lemon being cut, that is your mind-body-soul connection working together to give you that experience. I always experience something like this when I watch a commercial or an ad and it's like the Sour Patch Kids sour than sweet. I can literally taste the sour patch in my mouth just thinking about the sour and sweet uh, sensation. So now we're going to get a little bit into Western medicine. And for those of you who are not aware, we practice Western medicine in the United States. I'm not sure about Canada. I would assume so. I'm going to assume Canada practices the same kind of Western type of medicine that we do. So in our American Western medicine, type of thing that we do here. Western medicine treats the mind and body separately. So what that means is if you have like a mind thing going on with you, you go to psychology or a psychiatrist. If you are dealing with the body, you go everywhere else, like every other branch of medicine. Rarely does Western medicine incorporate both the same at the same time. It's rare that you can go to a some type of, you know, Western medicine, medicine physician that treats you as a whole person. Just right now, where we are, it's separated. The mind-body-soul connection actually originates from indigenous and Eastern cultures. And they have honored the idea of the mind-body-soul connection for thousands and thousands of years. So Western medicine has deemed the mind-body connection and the Eastern type of um, medicine as unscientific since the 17th century. And they did this because the idea of the mind-body dualism idea, which separates the mind and body. And this was actually, this actually happened 400 years ago. So in America, in the Western medical fields, it has been ran on things that were learned about 400 years ago. That is where we're at. Western medicine has become a field of intervention and treating symptoms to silence them instead of using symptoms as a way of communicating with us. And the book likes to call this the Band-Aid model which means treating the individual symptoms and never going deeper to figure out what the underlying cause is. 
So, for example, um, someone is much more likely to be giving antidepressants than asked about childhood trauma or guidance on nutrition and lifestyle. And actually, this is interesting because I would say maybe in 2014, I think I was like a sophomore in college, that's when I started to become more aware of my diet and how it affects me. Um, Since 2014, I have been on the mission of eating a clean diet, just being really conscious of what I put into my body. And long story short, when I was going through college, I was living with my parents. And I love going to the grocery store, and I love shopping for food. I love making food. I love so many things about food. I just absolutely love it because it nourishes my body. It tastes good. And I will tell you, the healthier I eat, the better I feel and the more I crave it. But so anyways, when I would grocery shop for my parents, I would make conscious decisions to get healthier options. And my parents just did not eat that way. My parents did not, (laughs) did not like it when I would get healthier options. I would get like sugar free stuff and they would just be like, why are you getting this stuff? Like, we don't want this. And long story short, my mom, mom, I don't think you'll ever listen to this, but I love you. And this is the first time I realized that there's a disconnect between what goes on in the doctor's offices. Um, and I'm not saying every single doctor is like this. That's just ridiculous. They're not. But from experience that I have experienced myself and through the author of this book, this is where I'm com- I am concluding all this information from. So I remember my mom going to the doctor to figure out like what's going on with her, whatever. And I'm like, mom, did they talk to you? Did the doctor talk to you about your food? Like, did he talk to you about what you could do better with your diet and nutrition? And she said, no. And I'm like, huh? How? How is that not being discussed? How is it not being discussed in the doctor's offices? What are you eating and how that affects your body? It's just mind blowing to me. Um, Same with someone close to me going into psychology, like the psychology for help. Um, You know, there's nothing being said about what you eat affects you that I've heard from. It could be different. I'm not saying all of it was like this, but from my experience and what I've heard, it just blows my mind. Um, same with another person that's close to me. Um, I've asked them, so what is, you know, what have you learned or what do you guys talk about in psychology or when you go see your psychologist? And they just said, you know, anything new? Do you need more medication? Do you need to lessen medication? But it's nothing deep. And that's what this book talks about. It's called healing yourself. Okay. We're going to get into it. We're going to move on, but I just find it so interesting. So since the turn of the 20th century, Western medicine has followed in genetic determinism, which believes that genetics are the cause of diseases. So that means it's like you're born with it. You have this genetic thing and you're born with it. But by assigning a genetic cause, that is naturally imagining our sickness to be a part of who we are. So it kind of becomes a part of our personality. And when we become the diagnosis itself, it decreases the incentive to change or try to explore root causes. And we become the label label. This is who I am. I have this disease. It is a part of me. It's like, that is me. However, science is now learning 
and researching about the body and how environment has a huge effect on us. Environment has a huge, huge effect on that, on us. So when we don't ask how we can contribute to our own wellness, we become helpless and we become dependent. But this book is going to show us how we can take ownership of our lives, how we can turn a diagnosis we may have and be in control of changing lifestyle habits to get out of the diagnosis, to get out of the mental health um, or the mentality that we're in, to become self-healers. So emerging science tells us that the genes we inherit aren't fixed. They're influenced by the environment and it begins as early as in the utero and it continues throughout our entire lives. So that means you guys, the environment of even when we were conceived has an effect on our genes to turn on certain genes or to turn off certain genes in our bodies. We can make choices about our sleep, nutrition, relationships, and the ways we move our bodies that alter gene expression. So we may exercise to turn off certain genes. We may eat healthy to turn off certain genes. We can eat processed food to turn on certain genes as well. It goes both directions. Biologist Bruce Limpton has been researching and speaking on the new biology called epigenetics. So Dr. Bruce Limpton continues to say about this new biology epigenetics is it all starts from the fluid that we were surrounded with in the womb and even continues with the words that we were spoken to by our parent figures, the words that we heard, what we watched on TV, the chemicals we ingested, the air that we breathe, all flu influences our genes and causes some to switch on and some to switch off. Epigenetics in a nutshell is our life experiences alter us at a cellular level. Everything in our environment affects us on a cellular level. However, this is really, really good news because this shows that we can make changes in our lifestyle to either turn off certain genes or turn on certain genes, which is very, very important in you know, getting through the crap, holding us back, changing our mindsets and becoming self healers of our own souls. Dr. Garber mate probably said his name wrong. I'm so sorry, Dr. Garber. Um, he's an addiction and trauma specialist. He has written about the effects of the emotional stress that leaves on the structure of our brain, causing many common physical and psychological illnesses. So he studies addiction and he has seen through scientific evidence that stress and other effects in our environment causes physical deformalities in our brains. I honestly just love tying science into all of this stuff because it's just evidence to support these claims. I absolutely love bringing science into it. So since our DNA and our genes have these special switch on, switch off, depending on our environment, that must mean that DNA runs very deep. And our DNA is actually passed down from our ancestors. So our ancestors have lived experiences that has shaped our DNA, which shapes ours right now. And this means our lives are passed down. The good, the bad, the trauma, the joy. What that means is, you know, 
maybe something in your family's um, bloodline, something really traumatic may have happened a hundred plus years ago in your bloodline that could be passed down to you right now. It could still be a gene in your body. And maybe if you um, are in a high stress environment, that gene signals on and it could cause a plethora of symptoms. That's how important all of this work is with the epigenetics. There have also been studies among mice that show the difference between a mouse that experienced extreme diets or stressed um, stress showed changes in their heart and metabolism. And so did their offspring and their offspring and their offspring. So with this information, of course, some things are out of our control. The trauma that our families endured thousands of years ago, hundreds of years ago in our bloodline with you know, our genes, we don't really have control over that, but there are things we have control over and we have choices. We have choices to nurture ourselves. We have choices to change what we eat. We can choose how often we exercise. We can choose the thoughts and beliefs we express. I'm going to read a quote to you guys. It's on page 13. As Dr. Lipton put it, this is really what whole new biology is all about. Take us away from you're the victim of your life to introducing the fact that we are the creators of our lives. We can and should help heal our bodies and our minds to create wellness for ourselves. Now we are going to get into the placebo effect. And I'm sure a lot of you guys have heard about the placebo effect. Um, Just in case you have not, what the placebo effect is is that the mind can create real measurable changes in the body and the placebo effect supports this science. There are a couple examples of science that I want to read to you guys. A significant placebo effect has been documented in conditions ranging from Parkinson's disease to irritable syndrome. Some of the strongest responses have been observed in depression studies where participants who believe they were in on antidepressants but really taking sugar pills report feeling genuinely improved. You don't need to be sick to experience the placebo effect. In a study at the University of Gasglow, researchers told 15 runners that they were being administered doping drugs and then asked them to run a race. The runners' race times increased significantly even though they were getting only saline injections. The placebo effect proves that when we believe we're going to get better or feel better, we often do. It's a testament to the power of the mind to affect the body with more or with mere suggestion. However, even though there is a placebo effect, there is an opposite to the placebo effect. And this is something I never knew about. It's called the nocebo effect. Yes, it is called the nocebo effect. And this is just the placebo's evil cousin, as the book calls it, or evil twin. This occurs when our thoughts don't make us better, but they make us worse. And I believe we've talked a lot about that on the podcast already, um, just how our thoughts create our realities. And this is just supporting that claim. To study the nocebo effect, researchers often tell participants that the drugs they are taking have terrible side effects when they are really only taking sugar pills. Believing they were taking an active medication, many people actually began to experience the warned out, warned about side effects. The warned about 
quote-unquote negative side effects. Okay, this research study is a little crazy, so listen to this. One notable and extreme example of the dangers of the nocebo effect took place outside a lab in the 1970s when a physician accidentally told a patient he had been diagnosed with cancer and that had and they had three months to live. When the man died a few weeks later, an autopsy revealed that he had been misdiagnosed. His doctor later said in an interview, I thought he had cancer. He thought he had cancer. Everybody around him thought he had cancer. Did I remove hope in some way? Another example of the power of a nocebo happened in 2007, and this was with a 26-year-old man. And this 26-year-old man was participating in a clinical trial on antidepressants. And he was actually rushed to the hospital after attempting to overdose on those antidepressants. He was in a fight with his girlfriend, and he attempted suicide through overdosing on those antidepressant pills that were prescribed to him. However, when he arrived to the hospital, his blood pressure dropped so dangerously low, near death levels, that he was sweating, shaking, and breathing rapidly. Once the doctors were able to stabilize him, they tested him and found no evidence of drugs in his system. When a doctor from the clinical trial arrived at the hospital, he realized that the young man had been in the placebo group, meaning that he had taken a non-active pill. He had, it seemed, overdosed on his own negative thoughts and wishes. So you guys, all of this is just research and science to support the fact that our minds are so powerful. Our minds create our reality. And that's why I'm so interested in mindset. I believe mindset can change our worlds, change our lives for the better, especially if we use it wisely. And I'm going to end this episode with I believe it's four things that the book shares of what holistic psychology is and how we can use it in our everyday lives. And remember, by using these four things that the book lists, this is just helping us connect to our mind, body, and soul, just so we can get out of maybe a victim mentality and more towards a, I can control my life. I can get out of this rut. I can help myself. So the first thing is healing is a daily event. You can't go somewhere to be healed. You must go inward to be healed. This means a daily commitment to doing the work. You are responsible for your healing and you will be an active participant in that process. Your level of activity is directly connected to your level of healing. Small and consistent choices are the path to deep transformation. So um, I started my healing journey, I would say April 2020. No, I would say March 2020, April, March 2020. And I am here now and I understand what this is saying because once you realize a lot about your life and what you don't like about your life and once you kind of awaken to these ideas, what's important is just choosing on one little thing you want to focus on every day and eventually it's going to snowball to where you won't even recognize your old life anymore. You would be in a you will be in a totally different situation and area in your life, which is really really powerful. The second thing holistic psychology follows is through many things are beyond our control, others are within our control. Holistic psychology harnesses the power of choice because cho- choice enables healing. I love that. I love that. I love that. And I strongly believe in that. All right, point number three of what holistic psychology is. Holistic tools are very practical and approachable. 
Change can and often still feels overwhelming. This is because the main function of your subconscious mind is to keep you safe and it is threatened by change. And if you're not new to the High Vibe podcast, I've talked about the subconscious mind before. I think it's absolutely fascinating. And I truly understand so much more once I understood the subconscious mind and how we have been conditioned to believe, think, certain things about life. And we're actually going to get more into that in chapter two of this book. Step number three continues to say that the practice of making consistent, small, daily changes through these push and pull resistances helps empower us to maintain change. And the last point or characteristic of what holistic psychology is, taking responsibility for your mental wellness though intimidating, can be incredibly empowering. All right, you guys, I hope you are ready to do the work with me together. We're getting through this book, just the main points, the main points I want to take away. But if you are interested, it's How to Do the Work by Dr. Nicole LaPera. I'll have a link down below for you guys if you're interested in reading it on your own. Maybe eventually, if you guys would be interested, we could read it for the book club. But it is absolutely a very empowering book. It really gives us choice on how to change our lives for the better. So on that note, everyone, I hope you're having a fantastic week. If you are going back to school, I wish you luck. Um, You're going to do great. And I do want to thank every single person for listening to this week's show. Please leave a review and share it to anyone who you know might find this valuable. They don't have to be teachers. They could be anyone. Follow me on Instagram. Subscribe to my YouTube channel and to this podcast. And finally, I will see you guys next week. Have a fantastic week. And just kind of think about what we learned today in this week's show. It's really empowering. It's really, really powerful. Um, Thank you guys so much. And remember, Becoming High Vibe has changed my life, and it will change yours too. Bye.